You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Steve. This morning we're going to be picking back up in Proverbs. Um, We're going to be in Proverbs 5 this morning. Uh, Before we jump right in, though, I think, you know, as I was contemplating this scripture this week and preparing for preaching, I thought there's a lot of ways today where we try to point out um, where we're similar to the world in some areas, right? We're always trying to point out, you know, oh, we should have people come and visit. We're just like you, right? We want people to come and realize that we're normal people. We're not some kind of crazy cult, right? We're not people that are going to, like, that are all, you know, in robes and humming and things of that nature, right? Uh, We're just like everybody else. We're just coming to church on Sunday. That's always something that we kind of put out there because we want people to realize that we are people just like everyone else. Um, We've been through the same things everyone else has. Um, We have just committed ourselves to Jesus, and we've seen the the power that Jesus has to save us and to help us to lead a better life and to be more like him. Um, But there are some areas when we follow God's wisdom where we are going to stick out. There are areas when you follow God's wisdom in a sinful world that things are going to be blaringly different. And especially in today's day and age, this proverb kind of highlights that. Proverb 5, as we went through Proverbs 1 through 4, it was really an opening to Solomon discussing wisdom, the importance of wisdom, um, and following it and how wisdom's place in our lives. And it was kind of setting that up. Now, as we progress into Proverbs, we're going to start hitting on specific topics of wisdom. And Proverbs 5 starts off, um, he's going to get into adultery, which is a tough topic, right? It's a topic that we get into. It's not completely a topic that is always comfortable. It's a topic that sometimes makes us squirm in our seats a little bit, right? But it is also a topic that does make us stick out a little bit from others. Um, And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean because I think adultery encompasses a lot, Right? It's really what we would call any of the seventh commandment sins. Right? Thou shalt not commit adultery, but really it encompasses everything. Adultery, fornication, the only difference between adultery and fornication is whether you're married. Right? But it's still physical sexual sin outside of marriage, basically. Um, and that's what is being talked about here. Also, it's being talked about temptation here, and how we should live, the downfalls of Um, falling into temptation, the downfalls of not following God's word, are all kind of covered here. And that's sort of a tough topic. And so as kind of an introduction, I found there's a preacher in the early 20th century, the early 1900s, G. Campbell Morgan, who was teaching on this very same subject. And he loved Proverbs 5. And the quote that he had for it was, this is a tremendous chapter dealing with a delicate subject daringly and with great directness. And I really like that, because it is a delicate subject, um, but it is one that we should deal with directly, and we should make sure that we don't just pass over it because we're afraid people don't want to hear about it. Right? As those of you who've been here at River know, if you're newer to River, you've probably started to pick up, or you will. Right? We don't just jump around in the Bible. We don't choose a theme one week and just start coming in. I didn't come in this week because I was like, I want to teach on adultery. Trust me, there's probably a lot of easier ones I would have chose if, it was, if I knew it ahead of time, right? We start a book of the Bible and we teach all the way through it, right? We're in Proverbs right now, so we're at Proverbs 5. That's what we're going to teach. And there's a positive area to that because what happens, the benefit of that is that when God speaks about something, then we speak about it too, right? And we don't get to just pick and choose certain things we talk about. We make sure that wherever God talks about something, so do we. And that's the kind of the important part here. And this is a great example of that as we, t- as we look at Proverbs 5 today. So we're going to start by looking at Proverbs 5, um, 1 through 6, as it opens. And I'm going to read along. It'll be up here. Um, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion, and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. 
but in the end she is bitter as wormwood. She is sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. So Solomon, of course, is writing to his son here. And he starts off, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. But we know that God has inspired his words here so that we have kind of a duality. We have Solomon talking to his son, but we also have God talking to all of us and sharing the same wisdom. And he says, listen up. Turn your ear to me and understand it. Don't just listen and go, yep, 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 I've heard this before. Right? Process it. Understand what I'm saying and then apply it to your life. This is important. And he's about to talk, as we mentioned, it says, depending on your translation, if you have an ESV, this starts off by actually saying warning against adultery, right? But he's about to have a talk about purity and relationships. We could almost say that in a way, this is kind of like the talk that he's having with his son, right? Which makes this even more awkward as a discussion point, right? But he's having the talk, right? But interestingly enough, pay attention to how he does it. Because whereas nowadays, a lot of times when people, when parents have the talk with their kids, they're talking about how and what, right? Solomon doesn't do that. Solomon focuses on who as the most important aspect here, right? Nature's always found a way of the how and what, right? But Solomon says who this kind of relationship with is the important piece that you need to really focus on. Verse 3 starts us off with the forbidden woman. Right? He says, um, you know, for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is, annoying, is smoother than oil. We've seen this already before. We saw a forbidden woman mentioned in Proverbs 3 briefly. You're going to see it again mentioned in Proverbs 7. Um, it kind of keeps happening, right? And I guess some people would say, geez, you know, why? How? I've heard people before say, well, how come the Bible talks so much about one thing and not a lot about another thing? Right here we have this forbidden woman, which really, and again, it could be a forbidden man as well. Okay, Solomon's speaking to his son, so in that participate, it's a forbidden woman, right? This forbidden woman, forbidden is also a word that's translated to strange or foreign. It really just means a woman who's not yours. It's a woman you're not married to. But it could be the same for young women or ladies out there, right? As forbidden man, someone who's not yours, who's not familiar to you, meaning that's your husband or wife. And God mentions it three times right away just here in the beginning of Proverbs because the Bible speaks with proportionality. And what proportionality means, right, is that when there's things that are important, they, God speaks about them a lot. And if you see things popping up a lot of times in the Bible, it's because it's important. Right? So here we see this forbidden woman, or for, you could say again, forbidden man, if you're, if you're a lady out there. Right? Three times here, when you look at the entire Bible, depending on your translation, um, ESV, King James, whatever, adultery pops up up to 58 times. That's proportionality. Because it's important, it shows up a lot. So we see this mentioned here, and he says, you know, be careful. And this first, this first piece that I'm going to actually talk about is called, don't be fooled. <laughs> it's really the first point that he has here. Right? You could also put, don't be seduced, but that's sort of an old word, and it's a word now that's been, kind of has certain meanings to it that don't necessarily generically fall under this whole piece. But don't be fooled, right? Be aware of what's going on. Guard yourself. He says, don't be fooled because the, forbid the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. Now, he doesn't mean that literally her kisses are sweet, right? I could be, I don't know, right? But sweeter than honey and smoother than oil, he's talking about her speech. 
right? She speaks well. She flatters. She talks you up. Right? Oh, you're so sweet. Oh, you're so handsome. How smart you are. What a good job you do. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Oh, oh you're so funny. You're not that funny, okay? Um, <laughs> right? I once heard somebody mention the fact they were talking about flattery, and they said flattery is a lot like perf- flattery is a lot like perfume, right? It's meant to be smelled, not ingested, <laughs> right? It's a disguise, right? Flat- perfume is just kind of something you throw on to cover other smells, right? Um, so it's nice to kind of smell. And go, oh, that's nice, but you don't drink it because it's poisonous, right? In the same fear, and Solomon's warning his son and saying. Listen, it's not, you know, these type of relationships that we're warning you about, inappropriate relationships, right? Sexual, which is what usually pops up into our head when we think adultery, but also there are inappropriate emotional affairs. And he's saying they don't start one day because you wake up and go, yep, I'm going to do, I'm going to go out and meet a new person and have an affair. Or I'm going to start a relationship with someone who I'm not married to. That's not how they start. They start little, and they start with flattery. They start with words that are said. They start with not guarding ourselves. And we see this. We can see this a lot, right? Again, it's it's flattery from a forbidden woman, from a forbidden man. Um, a girl, you know, a woman might say to a man, "Oh, you know, your your wife must be so." So happy. Your wife is so lucky to have you. Right? And you're like, no, my wife was yelling at me this morning because I put the forks in the dishwasher wrong. Right? She wasn't that happy to have me. Um, but it sounds flattering, right? From someone who doesn't know us. Men do the same thing, right? Oh, you're so beautiful to ladies. Oh, how gorgeous. How smart. Right? I love you. I love you. That's the big one, right? I love you. I love you. I love you. Usually they say that because they're trying to get stuff, right? In reality, they don't love you. They love themselves, right? We know from the Bible, love is patient and love is kind. So if someone really loved you that much, they'd be willing to be patient and wait until you're married and have a committed relationship to have an appropriate relationship. But these are the ways that lips can be sweeter than honey and words can be smoother than oil. Right, and they happen in work. They happen in our everyday life, and we have to be—we have to guard ourselves and be aware of that. And that's what Solomon's starting off with here. He says, "Don't be fooled by words like this." Right, you know what God has set. In reality, while these sound nice, while we may be getting praise, while we may be getting an ego boost from someone who's not our husband or our wife, um, if, we're, if, if you're someone out there who's single right now and is not married, again, it's the same principle, right? You're getting ego boost from someone who is not made a commitment to you in that way. And while you have that, Solomon says, in reality, she's more bitter than wormwood. She's sharper than a two-edged sword. Right? Wormwood is a herb. They used to use it kind of medicinally, but it's really, really bitter. And what they found is it doesn't do anything. Right? <laughs> they thought it helped with digestion, and there's no evidence that it actually does. Um, it's actually, it can be, it's very powerful. It's an ingredient in vermouth and in absinthe, the two liquors. Um, and besides that, it doesn't have any use whatsoever, um, but it's really bitter. Um, and if you use too much of it, it's poisonous. And so Solomon's saying, as, as, as nice and sweet and great as these other people seem, a lot of times just because they're different, they're other, they're not the same thing you deal with every day, right? But as great and, and wonderful as they seem, they can be poisonous. If you commit to that, if you go down that road, it ends in death. It can be like poison, they can be like a two-edged sword. Right? They mention two-edged sword because a two-edged sword does a lot of damage. It cuts on both sides. You get stabbed with a two-edged sword, it's really hard to sew up. 
because you have two cuts, basically, on opposite ends. And it makes it very difficult to help to fix that. But he says, sharper than a two-edged sword. So while you think you're getting all this great stuff, in reality, you're, you're heading towards death. These are things that are not good. A hundred years or more ago, up in the north, in Alaska, the tundra, the Yukon, things like that, they used to try to, they would try to trap and kill wolves because people were spreading into those areas and there was way too many wolves. Um, and wolves can be deadly, right? And so what they found, wolves are super smart animals. Not unlike all of us. We're all super smart, right? Don't, don't listen to my flattery. Um, we're all super smart animals, right? So it was really hard to trap a wolf because wolves can see traps coming. They can smell when you've messed around in the snow. They can smell when you've played with stuff. And they're really difficult to trap. But what they found was a very easy way to get wolves was they would take a knife and they would bury it in snow and they would put a little bit of animal blood on the blade. And wolves would follow the trail of the animal blood and they'd go right up to the knife and they'd start licking the blood. Meanwhile, they're cutting their tongue. And they would just keep licking and licking and licking and cutting deeper and deeper and deeper until they would bleed to death. They thought they were great getting something sweet, but during the process, they were just killing themselves. And it didn't matter how smart a wolf was, because they had that allure, that seduction of the animal blood, they just kept driving themselves towards their own death. And the trappers didn't have to do anything about that, to it. It's very similar here. It's what Solomon's telling his son. It's what God's telling us. Right? These things come in nice packages. Be wary, because it leads to death. It says her feet lead to death, her paths, right? Um, she does not, or she follows the path to Sheol, or the land of the dead. We would call it hell, right? Anything outside of God. Right? This path leads outside of God. Watch out. The basis to that is really those who practice adultery and fornication are headed to death, right? Don't get dragged down. Don't get pulled that way, right? God created sex, right? I know that's hard to believe because so many people think that, you know, God is a prude and that church doesn't talk about sex and that that's not something. That's not true whatsoever, right? But God created intimate relationships, in physically intimate relationships, um, to honor and be involved in a marriage commitment. God knows it's a wonderful thing, and it's a wonderful thing for two people who've committed to each other who aren't going anywhere. That through thick and thin, they're going to work things out, and that's one more way that they can, that they become two become one, and it's one more way that they become committed to one another, and they get to share things together. Um, also, in, in, in the big picture of things, right? It helps create kids. <laughs> um, if that wasn't the case, human race would have died out a long time ago, right? If that wasn't a great thing that God created within marriage, um, men would have preferred to go fishing and there would be no more humans like thousands of years ago, right? Because we wouldn't have had kids. <laughs> but there's a good, this is, it's a good thing in the right conditions, but like everything else that God created initially, when the world fell, when Adam and Eve fell from the garden, everything got twisted. And this has gotten twisted just like everything else that God's made. And it's gotten twisted to a point where now we separate it even from what it was made for. So, we talked a little bit about watching yourself and preparing not to be fooled. The next step that he talks about, we pick up in verse, um, we pick up in verse 7, right? And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your house to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength 
and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers to incline my ear to their instruction. I am at the brink of ruin in the assembled congregation. So what's he start, so what's he start talking about here? He's talked about already, guard yourself. Don't be fooled. Don't be seduced. Don't be pulled, pulled in. And now he says another step to help guard yourself in this is avoid bad situations. Be aware of the situations you put yourselves in. He says, don't go near the door of her house because you're asking for trouble. Right? It's just like how we'd say now, you, why put yourself into temptation that's unnecessary? Right? If you have ever had, if you've ever struggled with or know someone who struggled with alcohol, right, and has an addiction to alcoholism, or I'm sorry, they are, they, they've suffered from alcoholism, they have an addiction, right? If they're in recovery especially, the last place they go to hang out is a bar. Why would they go to the door of the thing that, that, is, the, that is the greatest temptation? Right? It's unnecessary, and they don't want to put themselves in a bad situation. And so Solomon says here, don't go to the door of the forbidden woman's house. Because the second you put yourself in a situation, the chances of something going wrong jump tremendously. If you're not near her house and don't know where she is, there's much less chance that there's going to be a problem. We can do this in a number of ways. Obviously, going near someone's house is very literal, right? But we can look at this in a number of other ways, right? Um, I counsel a number of people. I do pastoral counseling. Um, so does Sean, right? So does Dan. But we do counseling with a number of people. If I'm counseling a woman without her husband or a single woman, I don't do it alone. My wife comes. It's not that I don't trust the woman. It's not that I don't trust myself, right? But why put myself in that situation or put the woman in that situation where someone could say, you know, Pastor Steve was in a classroom with such and such for 40 minutes by themselves. It's unnecessary, and you need to kind of guard yourself and stay out of a situation like that. Right? It's actually what we used to call, or what they've called even now still, the Billy Graham rule. Right? Billy Graham used to say, never be with a woman alone who's not your wife. Because again, it keeps that situation. That's really sound advice. Right? To never be with a woman who's not your wife alone. Ladies, same thing. To not be with a man alone who's not your husband. It's really sound advice because, again, it doesn't, you're not getting near that door. But we live in a society, unfortunately, that that's become so different that I don't know if you recall, but a couple years ago, um, our last vice president, Mike Pence, mentioned in an interview that he follows the same rule. He said, he, he said, I'm a Christian and I, I don't dine with other women. He said, I don't go to dinner or lunches or anything, even if it's for politics or whatever. I don't dine with women alone who aren't my wife. It's a way that I kind of protect myself and it's just something I believe in. The media and everyone made such fun of this man because they said, oh, this is ridiculous. How, see, what a religious fanatic. What do you mean you can't? How does he possibly think he's going to get away with that? Because everyone's out to get him? Everyone's after him? No. But it's, it's wisdom from the Bible. He's saying he's not going near that door. Right? There's no reason, there's no meeting, there's no lunch or dinner that he could set up that he can't have his wife with him or someone else, an aide, right? Or an assistant or a secretary or somebody that he can have with him and not be alone with somebody. But it's kind of sad that, it's, that we've gotten to a point as a society that something that logically makes good sense would be seen with such scorn and ridicule. Is oh, that's ridiculous. How, how, how 
you know, ridiculous as that, that a man and a woman can't be someplace alone. There's no need for it. So that's kind of a good rule as well, and that's kind of what he's meaning here by don't go to the door of their house, right? The problem is, is things have gotten even worse for us nowadays as far as temptation, as far as accessibility. Because when Solomon's talking to his son, he's saying, don't go near their house, don't go near their door. Well, now we live in a society in a technological age where the door comes to us 24-7. There are websites, there are apps, there are uh, text messaging, right? You have a phone, you have access to everyone 24-7, right? You have debauchery at your fingertips, Sin is just a swipe away. So when it says stay, stay away from her door, that's what it means too. Right? We need to guard ourselves and guard the situations we're in. There are, there are, there are websites out there that are in apps devoted to, you know, there are dating apps for people, single people who are trying to date. And I'm not downing that at all. Right? I know people who've used dating websites and met people who they've married. Right? There are people who honestly are genuine in just trying to meet someone um, in a day and age where everyone's very busy. Right? But there are other people who are on sites like that who are basically using it predatorily. There are also sites and apps that are specifically just for physical relationships. Right? There's no such thing as a casual physical relationship. Right? That we've seen if it's outside of marriage, it leads to death. There's articles that there's an article that I read that was from 2020 that was done, and it said that the relationship satisfaction between people. This was done, I think it was like 27,000 people that were, that were used in this survey, in this, this, this study. And it said that people who waited to get physical and to commit to that level of relationship when they were married reported a satisfaction rate 35% higher than people who didn't. Um, they also, not just a satisfaction rate with the relationship, but also with intimacy within their relationship, it was like 25% higher. Communication within their relationship was like 16% higher than those people who did not wait to do that. So there's, there's studies we see that back up what God told us thousands of years ago. It's easy to say, well, Steve, this sounds really old-fashioned. Like, yeah, you're a pastor. You've got to stand there and say that, right? You've got to read this and tell us. But when it comes down to it, truth is timeless. God's Word doesn't change over time. And we keep finding that out. We keep finding out, you know, the more and more things seem to change. God's Word always has the best intentions, and it always has the best wisdom for us. And we see that here too. But we need to make sure that we're keeping ourselves out of bad situations. We need to protect ourselves, protect our hearts, protect our relationships, right? And we need that needs to completely expand itself to our activities online, right? Make sure that you don't have, there's no need to have you know, apps and websites and things like that on your phone that are going to deal with things like like dating, but specifically like hookup culture, as they call it now, right? Um, you know, physical, you know, relationships with nothing else, right? Casual encounter kind of things. There's no reason to have that on our phone. There's no reason to be looking at anything like that. There's no reason to have, um, you know, apps that deal strictly with affairs and they're out there. Right, that make things try to make things easier. We need to guard everything about it, including how people are reaching out to us. 
which is through digital, right? It's really easy for someone to, what the kids say, slide into their DMs, right? <laughs> All of a sudden, someone you've never met is talking to you at, you know, 9 o'clock at night while you're in your house. You've got to, that's how you have to um, don't go near their door. Well, their door's in your pocket, so you really have to keep an eye on that. Right? And, and even with the fact of what we're looking at, um, we have to be mindful of the things that happen like that. Um, and it's not just our, our, our phones are a big piece of it, right? But it's media as well. This week, as I prepared for this message, I really kind of paid attention to the things on TV as I flicked through TV, as I looked at my different streaming services, things like that that I look at, 90% of the TV shows and movies that I came across that were recommended for me or that popped up on my browser or that I saw as flicking through a channel, 90% of them in some way or shape or form glorified promiscuity or affairs. 90% of the shows had either sex outside of marriage or people that were married cheating on one another. And that was the entertaining drama that was part of the show. It's easy for us to go, well, that's just a show that I'm watching. But the more you let that into your brain, it starts to wear down it starts to seem like it's normal. Oh, well, it seems like everybody does this. Maybe that really is an old-fashioned way of thinking. Maybe it's okay for this to happen. And it's not. But we live in a sinful world, and there's a lot less people who are trying to follow God's Word than are following what Netflix tells them, or Hulu, or what they see pop up on their notifications on their phone. And so it's interesting here, too, that I like how Solomon hits this, and God really puts it in Solomon's heart, right? Notice Solomon doesn't say, get rid of forbidden men and women. He doesn't say, Find, hunt them down and get rid of them. That would be kind of a terrible thing to say, right? But he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, block off their doors. Throw your phone out. Never look at TV. He doesn't say that. Instead, he says, guard yourself. It starts in your heart. Right? You're never going to be able to con contain all of the sin in the world. But you can control how you respond to it. You can control what you're doing. And that's really the, the point of this conversation. Solomon's saying to his son, listen, there's sin out there. There's people out there who want to attack your relationships. There's people out there who want to take you kind of down the same dark path they're going. There's things out there that are going to do that. You're never going to get rid of that. But what you can do is mind how you deal with it. So what happens if you don't? Well, we see here in verse 9, Right? Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. It blasts your reputation. If you fall into this type of sin, it can really tear apart your, your, your reputation. When I was a young man, I know that there's, there's young men, there's young women who get a reputation for promiscuity. And, it's not, and there are really not nice words that follow that. Right? You can tear apart your reputation that way. Um, the same if you are married and you have an affair. That can tear apart everything you've worked for in your reputation. We've seen so many men in politics, entertainment, religion, who were torn apart by a mistake they made by giving in to sin and stepping outside of their marriage. And it doesn't matter how much they did before that point, the second that comes out, everything is null and void. Right? I think of Ravi, Ravi Zacharias. is just someone who pops into my head recently. I remember going and seeing him when I was in college, and I, Ravi Zacharias was on fire for God. He was a great apologist. He was a great preacher. 
Uh, we, uh, myself, a bunch of friends that were in the Christian club at college all went and saw him speak. He was up at Plattsburgh at one point. Um, and he was just amazing. I followed different things in his career. And he was someone I really respected. A lot of people respected. And then a few years ago, it came out that he had had sexual misconduct outside of his marriage. And it completely blew away any credibility he had. And it blew away a lot of the reputation that people had built up around him. And now all that work he had done kind of went down the, the tubes because people were like, well, wait a second, why should we listen to anything Ravi Zacharias told us? Because look, he didn't follow his own advice. So there's a lot that can happen there, right? There's a lot that can tear apart a relationship from that mistake. And Solomon tells his son here, you know, this can, this, don't, be, don't do this because you will give your honor away to others. Your reputation will be torn apart. He says also, you lose your livelihood. Right? You'll lose the things that are important to you. That can be seen a couple ways, right? You, God may pull thing, blessings from you and give to others, right? If you're not following God's word and if you're not no longer following in God's footsteps, right? And listening to his words. But also, on a material plane, especially nowadays, right? That can be a major issue. There was a 2021 study that was done by a law firm. It's not a religious law firm, so it's not something that was swayed one way or the other. But a law firm did its own study of all of its clients, the national firm. So these were almost 100,000 people that it surveyed. And 55% of the divorces that it processed were due to infidelity. 55%, that's over half. So imagine if those people had heeded God's word here in Proverbs 5, it would have cut that divorce rate by half. But also, that's expensive. Anyone who's ever been through or known someone who's dealt with that, right? You lose your money. You can lose your house. You can lose time with your children, right? Don't let that happen because of infidelity. Don't let that happen because you weren't guarding yourself and you didn't listen to God's word when it came to preserving your relationships. Your health can also be affected, and he mentions this as well. Um, he says, um, your, when your flesh and your body are consumed, right? sin has physical effects on the body. Secrecy causes anxiety, causes exhaustion. Right? Secrecy causes, and that's usually when we're falling into sin, we're trying to hide it from everyone. It takes way more effort can wipe us out, causes anxiety, causes us to split other aspects of our relationships. Besides that, especially when we're dealing with sexual sin of a sexual nature, right? there are health concerns and disease out there. Right? A study that was done in 2020 said that one in five people in the United States have had or have a sexually transmitted disease. 68 million people. That comes directly from adultery, right? If you're in a monogamous relationship with a person you married and you don't have sex outside that relationship, you don't catch disease, right? The only point that that happens is when there's multiple issues going on. And so Solomon, 3,000 years ago, is saying, your health will get ripped apart, your livelihood will get ripped apart, your reputation will get ripped apart. Your family gets ripped apart. These are the things. Are you willing to sacrifice these things for someone who doesn't know or love you? Are you willing to sacrifice all of this for a whim? Don't give in to those, that sweet honey lips and that voice like oil. Because this is what happens after that. He continues on here and he says, Drink water from your own cistern, 
flowing water from your own well? Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Lest your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. What he says here, and this is the point three of God, follow God's plan. God says, listen, protect yourself. Don't be fooled. Don't fall into this. Then he says, don't put yourself in bad situations. Now he says, this is what you should do instead. Do this. And he says, drink water from your own cistern. Right? Stay in your relationship. Focus on your marriage. If you're not married yet, focus on marriage when you plan to be so. If that's in your future. Right? But drink water from your own cistern, from your husband, from your wife. Get nourishment there. Get replenished there. Focus on that relationship. When we're married, it says that it takes two and they become one. Right? That happens before our family, before our friends, before God. That relationship, besides our relationship personally with God, that relationship should then be the second relationship in our lives, above everything else. And the, the more we focus and build and improve the relationship with our spouse, the better our lives going to be, but also the harder it's going to be for these issues to happen. Right? This great, you ever heard the saying, a great defense is a good offense? Kind of falls into this piece. Right? Focus on your significant other. Um, I'm going to be honest, and maybe I'm weird, but I don't think I am, right? My favorite person to be around is my wife. Now, I don't just say that because I, I don't want to sleep in the guest room tonight, right? But it's true, right? I enjoy being with my wife. That's why I married her. Like, I can have a great time with a whole church full of people. I can also have a great day just hanging out with my wife. I love to be around her. We have similar interests. We have lots to talk about. We're constantly, we have similar goals, right? We're always working in the same direction. My wife is my best friend. There's nothing wrong with that. I've seen articles and heard people today who, that will try to tell you in society, yeah, that's not right. Your wife or your husband shouldn't be your best friend. Why not? Two, two of you became one. There should be no one closer to you than that person. And if that's the most important relationship in your life, it makes it very difficult to slip anything else in. And to single people out there, this is a great thing to look forward to, right? When you're looking to see who, who I want to marry, right, that's the type of person you want to look for. Is this someone that I want to be with all the time? Is this someone who I, you know, can see myself being a team with? Following God's word and having a sim the same goals and the same, um, you know, future outline for where we want our family to go, for what we want to do? Is this someone that I'm not going to, you know, be bored with in 50 years? Because you've locked in for life. Lastly, he ends with saying, for a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his, his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him and he's held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for the lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he's led astray. Stay vigilant. Right? He says here, stay vigilant. God sees everything. God's always with you. So if you start to fall, remember that. If you think it's a good idea to sneak off to have a candlelit dinner with some lady who's not your wife, or you're not married to, or some man you're not married to. Remember, it's not a table for two. God's sitting there as well, so you better have a third chair pulled over. And keep that in mind during what you think might be romantic. 
Okay, that it's the two of you talking, it's also God. And He's watching and He's there. So is there anything that you want to do that you want to do openly in front of God? Because Jesus is there with you. And he kind of points that out, I think, as a great reminder to his son and a reminder to all of us, right, that sin only flourishes because people think it's in the dark. Right? We never sin openly in front of crowds of people. We sin when we think people can't see. And Solomon reminds his son here, remember, just because your friends might not see doesn't mean God doesn't. And who's more important, your friend's opinion of you or God's opinion of you? So keep that in mind. And he says, we died because of our lack of discipline. We allow the world to lie to us, to tell us this is okay. This is no big deal. Everybody does it. Right? We died because of lack of discipline. The proverb says, you know, we hated being corrected. We hated being told what to do. That just seems like us, doesn't it? I hate when somebody corrects me. I hate when somebody tells me the right way to go. Oh, you should have taken a left there. I drive this all the way. Don't, don't tell me how to go, right? We hate being corrected. We hate being told we don't know the best way. But God's telling us here the best way, and Solomon's saying, don't brush it off. Don't say, I know better. Don't say, I hate being corrected, because when you're older, he says, People, you'll, you'll, as you die, you'll look back and go, why didn't I listen? Why didn't I listen to my instructors? Why didn't I listen to people trying to tell me the right thing? Why didn't I listen to God? God speaks to us every day through His Word, through prayer, through preaching. Right? Why didn't I listen to God's Word when it was put in front of me? Now I'm being consumed and there's nothing left to do. So don't be that way. I tell you, there's a lot of things I've done in my life that now at 45 I look back and go, why didn't I listen? My life would have been much easier if I'd listened to my mom or I'd listened to my dad or I'd listened to someone who knew better than me at the time. And Solomon's saying the same thing here. Don't brush this off. Listen to it or it will be something you regret in the future. Many of us have fallen into this type of sin. I don't want to end on a bad note because it really isn't. Right? We know what God says. We know what society tries to tell us. And there's many of us out there who struggle with this. There's many of us who struggle with relationships, with keeping relationships pure, with, um, I didn't even jump onto pornography, to be honest, because we were, were tight in time. There's a lot in this Proverbs. But pornography is a huge piece too, and that's another way that the, the forbidden woman's door gets in your way. Right? You have to watch yourself from that as well. Right? There's a lot of issues that we... That we we may have struggled with, that we still might struggle with. We might have been in relationships that ended because of this kind of stuff. That's not the end, though. Remember, Jesus is a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And even if we've sinned this way in the past, if it's something we struggle with today, Jesus is there for us. Give this up to Jesus. Ask for forgiveness. Repent. Ask for the strength and wisdom to follow what he said. And much like what Jesus said to the, to the woman who was actually caught in adultery, remember that everybody wanted to stone? And Jesus said, whoever's not done anything wrong in their life, whoever's not sinned, throw the first stone. And nobody did it. He didn't then give her a 55-minute lecture on adultery. He didn't stone her himself, even though he was without sin. Right? He didn't hit her with rods and sticks. Instead, he said, go and sin no more. Yeah, you've done this in the past, but if you've really given up to me and you really are sorry about it and you don't want to live like that, go and don't do it anymore. Right? Have a fresh start. If you need help, Right? If we could all just stop sin one day, we'd be living in a perfect world. Sometimes we can't do it alone. But if you need help, right, ask God for wisdom and strength. Seek His Word. God's Word gives us a lot of wisdom. We're getting into that with Proverbs right now. Talk to a pastor. I'm always around. I do counseling. 
Dan's around, Sean's around. Uh, not today, they jumped ship on this one. Um, <laughs> but uh, they're always around. Seek out a pastor. Seek out someone you trust at the church or a family member who's a Christian who you know respects God's word. Seek somebody out and ask them. Sin propagates because of shame. Sin grows and it, 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 it relies on the fact that we're too ashamed to mention that we need help to people. So don't let that win. Everyone has struggled with things. Nobody's going to judge people. right? The important part is that we follow God's word from now on and that when we do hear it, when we do understand it and we apply it, that we can do that and we can do that with help. If you're someone who's sitting here and like, this is a great, this is a great sermon you had, Steve, but this isn't really something I struggle with. I'm an awesome husband. I'm an awesome wife, right? I don't have these issues. Well, that's lucky for you. But if you're sitting there thinking this is not something I struggle with, this still pertains to you because help somebody else. We are all connected in the church. Maybe there's a family member you know or a friend you know who does struggle. Share God's word with them and help them and give them support. This applies to everybody, especially in the world that we're in. As I close in prayer here, I just want us to keep con consider this. This is a tough topic to discuss. I know you didn't want to come this Sunday morning to hear adultery and sex and all sorts of things of that nature, but it's what God had prepared for us. Let it kind of sink in a little bit. If you have questions, you can always talk to me. You can talk to Sean. You can talk to, to Dan. But um, apply this. Think about it. Think about how it applies to your life. Think about if there's people you can help. Think about um, how you might be able to improve your life over the next uh, coming weeks and coming year. Um, all right, now let's, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for loving us. We thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, even when it's, it's strong and it's direct, uh, we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for your correction. We thank you for your wisdom. And we ask, Lord, that if there are people who struggle in this area, that they would seek you and they would give it up to you, Lord, and that you would help them overcome their sin. Um, Lord, we know that you died for all sin, and you've provided us with salvation, Lord, and all we need to do is put our trust in you. Um, we love you, Lord, and we just ask for your mercy, your grace, and your love, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.